Welcome to NIL Undressed. I'm Ryan Schockner, along with the future mayor of Football USA, with 37 active NFL and countless college football players, Rock Hill, South Carolina, Dr. Cheney Robinson. <laughs> Good morning. Thanks for that <laughs> intro. <laughs> That's a nice intro. <laughs> that I've been I've been waiting for this one for a while, right? And not just because our guest today, Dr. Christopher White, right? Impressive at 28, 29 years old. Yeah. Um, not just because we see the world of athletes and development in almost the identical way, um, but because he's really the ultimate athlete development success story, right? Like yeah. Um, like the ultimate story of using your athletic skills to achieve and then also help others achieve success. So Dr. Christopher White, right, born, which I saw on a post he did, not into an ideal situation, saw football as a way to achieve success, right? In high school, he was team captain. He played quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and linebacker, right? Now, not all at the same, <laughs> the time, same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but he played all those positions, um, decided then to go to, to get a shot at Kent State University, right, up in Ohio. So Florida guy to Ohio, cold weather, snow. Um, you got to question that thought process there, but we'll get to the, we'll get dig down deep onto that. Um, he played wide receiver and he went to pursue his NFL dream, right? He finished up his master's degree and was named master student of the year in his last year playing at Kent state. He then became the lead athletic academic mentor at a power five uh, earned his PhD from one of the premier programs in the country, won teacher of the year, his first year as a college professor at Florida State, and he's assumed to be off author. He's the founder of the Athlete Mentor Academy, uh, and he's a personal mentor for athletes of all sports, right, at Florida State University. So, Dr. White's insights and research, I mean, it's going to pave the way for athletes having life success for generations to come. So, I mean, I'm pumped, man. I'm pumped. Yeah, Man, that, that intro got me pumped. I appreciate it. You did your research. I'm a good <laughs> hype man. You know, I'm, a yeah, good, I'm, getting, I'm, I'm finding my groove. But here, I got I to put the pressure on you because we're two for two uh, hitting grand slams with guys out of Tallahassee. Uh, one of which you know very well, Aaron Tillman, and then Patrick Scott, who played yeah. football at um, Florida A&M, right? Yeah. So I have a feeling we're going to go three for three, but I've got to put the pressure because, you know, athletes, we perform under pressure. And so, this is true, Chris, man, you've done more in 28 years than most do in a lifetime. Welcome to NIL Undressed. No, thank you. I mean, I'm I'm happy to be here. I mean, you guys are sensational. I mean, that intro just speaks volumes to the the type of care and you know intent that you have and what you're doing. And and so I, I I'm excited to be here. You guys have been doing some great things for a long time. I think you're providing opportunities for for collegiate athletes for a long time. You're passionate about it, and you got the experience and the know-how, which is important to have all three. So I'm excited to be here to just you know just just to talk to you all. Maybe pick your brains a little bit. I love it. Let's do it. There you go. Doc, glad to have you on. You know, we we get started. We've got a tradition where we get started with kind of a rapid fire question um, that we that we hit that we're gonna hit you with. So get, get ready. 
All right, you ended your playing career in 2017. Mm-hmm. What do you miss most? I miss most. It's got to be the camaraderie with the guys. I mean, just being in the locker room, being with your position group. I mean, these are some of my best friends to this day. So being around those guys 24-7, I mean, it's it's a it's a 24-7 job, let's be honest. We're, you're constantly yeah. with each other. So uh, I, that's definitely what you miss most. And I think if you ask a lot of, you know, former players, that'll be probably their answer as well. Because you don't, you don't get that in regular settings, right? You're not with somebody 24-7 going through the, the trenches of, you know, summer conditioning and all of this crazy stuff that you got to go through. So, you know, that's that's for sure. It. That brotherhood and that camaraderie is something that you miss. Absolutely. Yeah, there, there's a lot to that. All right, so Ryan and I want to come down this fall, right? I'm going to come down for a game. Where do we go to get the full FSU tailgate experience? Well, you have to go somewhere down there in College Town, I suppose. That's where it all happens. It's right there down by the stadium. Um, they got a huge field out there where they do a bunch of stuff. Uh, I haven't spent too much time out there, I have to admit. And I'm doing my PhD here. Yeah, I mean, my wife just had a baby, so I don't get too much time to tailgates, but I know it's a really, really fun time. They built an entire like town over there that's kind of geared towards building that atmosphere. So if, if you come down, there's it's a it's a really good time, a really good time. So you got a you got a couple different hats that you're getting to wear. Oh, yeah. Take take oh, yeah. taking up taking up all all and and then some of your time. So <laughs> we're on campus. And we got to go to a restaurant. What what can, what restaurant do we go to, and what do we order? See, this is another tough one. I've, I've spent my time. I've been here like five years, and my favorite place to eat isn't really on campus. I don't eat on campus too much. Me and my wife like to go to El Jalisco on North Monroe. It's you know Mexican restaurant. We love Mexican restaurants, and theirs is just. It's, I think it's one of the best in Tallahassee for sure. The food is sensational. It's incredible. And then the like the people who work there, it's always the same people. We're, we're kind of regulars at this point. They get excited with it when they see us. We get excited with them to see them. So, I mean, we, we used to go there every Friday night before we had a, our son, Calvin. So, yeah, to get that built back up. I assume the chips and, and salsa are good too, right? Oh, yeah. And free. Yeah. And free. And free. That's yeah. Yeah. still in a college town. That's a good thing. That's right. Yeah. Absolutely. All right, favorite Florida State University tradition? It's got to be, you know, it's classic, but Osceola and Renegade. I mean, come on, how do you beat that? There's not too many other places. I don't think there's any other place in college football where you have some, some su- such a rich culture, such a rich tradition of riding out there on Osceola or, you know, and Renegade's kind of out there and they put that spear down. And yep. everybody, you know, boom, it's oh, nuts. It's, yeah, oh, yeah. man, it is, it is something to see. That is, if you have a bucket list for college football traditions, that's got to be, you know, top three for sure. Absolutely. That's on the, that's on the top list for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, and if you can come to a night game, that is, that just adds a whole other layer to it because it's, it's something special. Ooh, I'm ready days. for fall now. Oh, yeah. Have you, you guys have never been to a, a game in the, I, oh, not down to Florida State? Nope. Oh, I've yeah. been there. I grew up about an hour north of Tallahassee. So. It's, it's an experience of a lifetime. There's there's not too many places. I played a lot of big time places. Just you know those Atlantic Kent State. Just those first two three games where you get to play. You know those big teams. You're sort of the sacrificial lamb there. But uh, <laughs> Florida State's still 
Yeah, but the athletic department makes makes a boatload of cash. Oh yeah, they surely do for those lamb games. Yeah, <laughs> they surely do those money games. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> All right, Chris, what was your initial reaction to NIL coming on, and then um, what concerns? You know, once you get past, because I'm assuming, you know, being the athlete, we all had that excitement and wondering how would we have really used this, right? What yeah. were your concerns after that excitement and and settled down? Yeah. First thought was, dang, I was born, I was born too early. I missed yeah. it. <laughs> I missed it by like a couple of years, you know. Um, and then of course another thought was about time, you know. And yeah. then, you know, of course, you start to think about some practical things like it's this is going to be huge for collegiate athletes, not just for the money aspect. But now I think what we're seeing is there's an explosion of creativity and explosion of ideas that are thinking about life after sports. Right. It's sort of that direct connection to who you are and how you can build your brand. And so if you're doing it effectively in the right way. You have to consider like your your life. You have to consider who you are. You have to consider what you want to do, your values. And so those things, when you're faced with those things, you have to start thinking about beyond what's outside of you know sport. And so that was something that I was really excited about. That's something that I'm still passionate about and trying to help uh, collegiate athletes kind of realize these things and do build their brands in the right way. Um, and I'm, I suppose we'll talk about that more, more down the line. But one of my concerns... Just being, you know, one of my research focuses was the educational experiences of collegiate athletes. And so if you look at sort of the systematic issues within the NCAA, it hasn't always placed collegiate athletes in the best position to succeed academically. And I thought that this would just exacerbate those things. I thought that was that was one of my initial concerns, that it would be something that would be taking more of an emphasis off of, you know, their education and sort of academic things. And, you know, they're out there trying to build their brand. They're out there trying to, you know, get in NIL deals. And I actually couldn't be, couldn't have been more wrong about that, I think, because I think this is, NIL has provided opportunities to expand our definitions of education and understanding what it actually means to be educated. And so I think it's going to afford collegiate athletes much more than they had before in terms of understanding financial literacy and setting themselves up. And that's a huge part of just being educated as an adult in society, right? Um, Understanding themselves, right? That is sort of their self-concept and their identity. They have to think about these things a lot more now if they're wanting to build their brand. So I think that's going to be huge for them in terms of, you know, life after sports, in terms of just the branding process, learning about branding and marketing, learning about partnerships, learning about um, negotiation, learning about entrepreneurship, learning about um, how to engage an audience, right? All of these different things and communicate, mass communications. All of these things I think are huge in terms of education and, and getting life experiences. And so, like I said, I couldn't have been more wrong, I think, in my initial concern about NIL. And I'm really happy that I'm wrong because it's yeah. something that's been special for for this group. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, you know, when I think back to to my um, academic years, right, and it was always the the classes I paid most attention to were the ones where I could see uh, an immediate use of that knowledge in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And so now allowing these athletes to um, 
you know, build their, their business, right. The business of them. And it's getting them, like you said, to think about the future to, and then to have to implement that stuff. I think, I think you're dead on. Um, and I, that was the knock on it initially was now it's just pro athletics and the school part of it is, is, you know, going to be thrown away. And, and I agree. I think it's completely the opposite of that. It's, it's having them focus more on school and, you know, what do they joke? The basket weaving classes and all that kind of stuff. Like maybe now they're opting for the sports marketing class so that they can learn how to write something that, that they can really use and implement immediately. hundred percent, hundred percent. I think even outside I'll, I'll just start with sort of a definition of education, right? Some people just kind of box it into getting A's and B's on tests, right? But I, I think it's more of an understanding of who you are, how to capitalize on your abilities within society, and understanding your history, understanding your culture, all of these sort of things that come into being intellectual, right? And not just performing well on tests. And so with that sort of understanding of education, this has been huge. This is much, much bigger and sort of a much bigger opportunity for college athletes to, to take advantage of. And so, like you're saying, instead of taking a basket weaving class that is just kind of, you know, so you can get that credit hour or whatever it might be. Now we're taking sport marketing classes or now we're taking NIL branding classes or we're taking um, graphic design classes or so- social media communication classes or whatever. Even if you're not in those classes, still seeking out knowledge in those spaces because you want to perform well in terms of NIL and branding. So you're going on YouTube, you're tuning into this podcast, right? Listening to you guys talk, you're, you're finding other experts in the field to, to help you learn these things. And so I think there's been an emphasis on that. And there's this NIL has kind of put a fire under uh, all the, all of these sort of collegiate athletes, butts to, to get, get going in, in this direction. So yeah. I love it. Absolutely. And it's those courses, too, that are going to have practical application once you're done with it. You're yeah. able to take something with it and, and have something tangible afterwards. Right. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's, let's change directions just a little bit. All right. Going back, you know, your playing career. You mm-hmm. already talked about playing at Kent State. Yep. How did a Florida boy end up <laughs> at Ohio at Kent State? Yeah. I mean, a few things. You know, I'm, a, I'm a loyal guy. So they were my first offer. One of my best friends, he was a year above me, and he went there the year before me. And so when I got the offer, that was already a box checked. I kind of knew I wanted to be with my best friend who was you yeah. know, up there already. He was telling me great things about it. Um, Jeff Burroughs, who recruited me, was a, a man with good character. I could tell that he was going to mentor athletes and that he genuinely cared about you know, the people that he was bringing in. Yeah. And so that was a huge factor as well. Um, took an official visit, had a good time, liked the, you know, the team. Uh, of course, the weather wasn't a factor that sure. was, bringing that was me the up pass, there. right? That wasn't a check. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But uh, it's really the loyalty thing, you know, they offered me first, Good, great recruitment in terms of Jeff Burroughs and being a stand-up guy. And then my best friend was there. So just kind of, you know, and of course uh, they, I, I knew I was going to play early. And yeah. at that time in my, um, in my career, that was kind of the, the focus of what I wanted to do was get out there early, shine, try and go to the league. You know, of course I'm, yeah. I'm in this office right now. <laughs> I didn't make it to the league, but <laughs> some other good things happened out of it. There you sure. go. Absolutely. <laughs> what were the top three schools that you were looking at? Top three, probably 
Kent State, of course, went there. Iowa State, just because it was it was Power Five, and I also had another friend who went there the year before, and got a it was an opportunity to play safety, and so I don't know, I was kind of interested in it. Another place was Memphis, and you know, it was funny enough, I would have actually played for Norvell, and he's he's here at Florida State now, which is yeah, that's uh, funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, Memphis was another good one. And then Temple was was one that I was kind of considering. Um, but Kent State just took just kind of swept me away with with all those other things I just talked about. So, yeah. 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 So and you and you alluded to to this a little bit, but kind of a little bit more pointed question. What was the, What were the criteria? What were those things that mm-hmm. you specifically were looking for as you were filtering through to make the decision? to where you were going to go play college ball? Yeah. I mean, looking back on it, I probably have a much better answer. But back then, I, I didn't have a great plan. I think I leaned a lot on on my dad, actually, to kind of handle a lot of the recruiting and feel people out and see what was the best situation for me. So, of course, I mean, that's that's similar to most a lot of recruits' situations. They're kind of leaning on their parents to to do things if they have that, you know, that opportunity. Um, but really it was the, the feel that I got there once I was on campus, like what was, were the, what I was hearing on the phone from the coaches, was that kind of true in person? Were they still saying the same things? Was I, I'm, I'm pretty good at reading people. Right. So I I wanted to make sure that they were genuine in person. Um, when I looked at language, the body language and tone matched up with the words saying, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's kind of, you're getting it from all angles from everybody on campus too. So yeah, just going up there was huge. Um, so I wanted to see that people were genuine. I wanted to make sure that I was going to go into a situation where I had somebody that I knew that was kind of, you know, so it's an easier transition for me. Um, I wanted to make sure that I was going to play, of course, and I wanted to play early. And those are kind of my main things, just the people, good people and playing time was kind of the main things for me at that time. Yeah. Now, you mentioned the word mentor, right? And um, and you you just launched this mentor academy, which I think is uh, I mean, it's really cool. Right. Can you describe how this came about and how at the you know different phases or, or crucial phases that mentorship, um, how that how that affected you and maybe changed the direction that you were going to go or how, how did all of this come about? We want to thank our sponsor, Success Beyond Game Day. For many athletes, the last safe place was the locker room. They could be themselves and not be judged. Success Beyond Game Day creates a locker room community for athlete development. Partnering with individual athletes, high schools, athletic departments, college and pro teams on building their brands, understanding name, image, and likeness, how to get deals, and personal finance all while leveraging a proprietary assessment that identifies core skills that athletes can leverage to create a competitive advantage, all while creating an environment where athletes can connect to push each other to greatness. Check it out at www.successbeyondgameday.com. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I said, growing up, Football was something that I saw as a way out. It was a way to better my situation, a uh, way to finally, you know, maybe get some some financial means, right? Um, and so that was all I kind of focused on was making it to the league, making it to the league, making it to the league. And that's what I poured every ounce of my being into. 
And so when I ended up breaking my leg junior year against Penn State, I was kind of I kind of have like a existential <laughs> crisis there, right? When I'm thinking like, oh, this is what what's going to happen now that I can't perform on the field, right? And I'm I'm looking around and I'm seeing, you know, it's a whiteout in Penn State and everybody's still cheering as I'm getting carted off. And I'm like, this game's going to go on regardless of if I'm playing it or not. Yeah. And so right then was when I really kind of had that, that, that feeling of thinking about life after sports. And so I was really lucky, really blessed to be put in a situation where I had a, a, some good advisors around me, some um, good people in athletics, some development people who talked about graduating and trying to get my master's. And so I did that and ended up graduating, got into the master's program in sport management at, at uh, Kent State University and ended up getting you know really close with one of the professors who was also my advisor. And she kind of mentored me. Dr. Warren Fassett is, I mean, I always tell her all that none of this would be possible without her. She's she's super humble about it. Like, oh, it's all you. But I, she really kind of took me out of the reins and um, showed me, you know, different things that I was really invested in, I think, and, and interested in that I didn't really know how to formulate or articulate clearly. Right. And she kind of saw that and help me do those things through research, through writing, through going to conferences and things like that. And so I think I grew so much in a short amount of time with her that, you know, she kind of saw these things too and saw that I had sort of a knack for research. And so I actually had a opportunity to go speak at a conference in Canada. I might've told you about this before, Ryan, but opportunity to go speak at a conference in Canada on some research that I did in her class. And it was during the season. So, you know, we're playing mat games and we're playing Tuesdays and Thursdays on ESPN. And I think the conference was during the weekend or something like that. And I'm like, how am I going to go play play on ESPN? I'm starting, right? I'm, I'm like one of the guys who has to be out there on the field. And like, how am I going to convince my coach? How am I going to be ready with the playbook? And like go out there and talk to all these academia people who are like top-notch in the field, these brilliant first, people. For the first time, too. Yeah, for yeah. the first yeah. time, right? And she kind of really led me in a way, mentored me in a way that showed me that I was capable, that I was, you know, more than just an athlete, that I was an intellectual, that I was an athlete, but also I was had all of these creative ideas that I had sort of a passion about helping others in my similar situation. And so influenced me to get up there and actually went up there in, into to, to Canada, presented, uh, had a decent presentation, uh, and then ended up coming back and playing, of course, on ESPN. And so within like three or four days, I'm doing all that. And she's she's the mentor who kind of showed me that I, that was possible. And so also through that, that conference, I was able to meet some of the professors who are here at Florida State. And one of them ended up being my advisor while I was down here doing my PhD program. And so that's how I ended up here at Florida State is, you know, through Dr. Walt Fassett and then meeting those people at FSU, who she also, of course, had connections with and, you know, was advisors for some of them as well. Um, And so ended up here and just really delved into research. And the research that I did was really, I tell people all the time, my dissertation was as much of a therapeutic session as it was sort of something that I had to do to get get my PhD. Because growing up and playing collegiate sports and, you know, being at sort of an elite level and seeing people in in similar mindsets as you, um, one of the things that really 
haunted me, something that really you know, didn't really sit right, right with me inside was seeing all of these people who were brilliant entrepreneurs, intellectuals, innovators, creators, all of these things that we see inside the locker room with that camaraderie and that brotherhood that you have, get to know these guys, get to know all the athletes, women as well, in terms of, you know, not even on your given team. And you see after their collegiate football career is over that they're sometimes ending up back in the same situation that they started before they came to, you know, before they came to college. And that really didn't sit well with me. Right. When you think about statistically, you got, you know, just give some random, like 99% of people are not going to go play collegiate sports. And then, you know, that 1% who does 99% of them are not going to go pro. And so that's 99% of people who are not going pro and don't have a plan. I mean, some of them have a plan, of course, but yeah. when you're looking at some of the sports that I was playing and some of the people that I was around, I was around, a lot of people didn't have a, a really good plan for, you know, what they're going to do in life after sports. And it's, it's not on that individual, I don't think. And that's, it's, you know, we'll get into that. Maybe we probably won't get into how deep that discussion goes, but there's systemic things that are happening in terms of, you know, our political economy and um, sort of how the NCAA is structured with you know, academics and performance and being for-profit and all those different things, but it didn't put them in the best position. Right. And so that's sort of where my research was geared towards was, you know, educational experiences, collegiate athletes, athlete branding and trying to figure out ways to create life opportunities outside of sports, trying to figure out ways to understand the subjectivities and ways of, of thinking of collegiate athletes so that we can start to build more circuits in the brain or whatever it might be to start thinking about outside of sports, right? You know, if you're making it to that level, you're the 1% and you're like, you know, maybe I'm that 1% who's going to go to the league, but you also want to have those other avenues to, to set you up once you're done. And so that's sort of where my dissertation led me. That's where my research led me. And being in academia, I, w- I didn't just want to write papers for other people in academia to read. And we go in this sort of esoteric, esoteric corner and we talk about these things, right? <laughs> I wanted to have a, a practical element to it. Like I'm, yeah. I'm really passionate about this. I really want collegiate athletes and athletes in general to be successful in life, not just in their sports. And so I wanted to see that now. I didn't want to see it years down the line from knowledge being branched out in some way. And so of course, I was a, you know the lead strategic academic mentor over in FSU, and I was doing that sort of mentoring with athletes, but also wanted to do something that I could have, you know, my entire sort of not control, but like my full creativity and sort of ideas flourish, right? And really, really pour into athletes in a way that I think is is best that's not constrained by sort of, you know, NCAA compliance or, you know, rules and regulations and things like that, right? Yeah. And so I opened up, you know, AMA, Athlete Mentor Academy. And so we're focusing on mentoring athletes and building valuable skills and practical skills so that they can and I'll be successful in life after sports. And sorry, that was a, that was a long winded way of kind of getting it. was great. That was great though. It, it, you know, and I think, you know, hitting on some of that, you know, athletes are brought up with that. um, You know, you are just this athlete, your value to the world is in this sport and that, you know, has gradually got younger and younger you know, and you mentioned it earlier on, you you thought your only way out of the situation you were in or to achieve success, right, yeah. was to go play in the NFL. But the odds of that are so, so small. But so we we kind of 
you know, talk to athletes out of both sides of our mouth. We say, Hey, plan on something else. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you don't know if you're going to be able to make it. The odds are really, really small. You know, you got to be the best of the best. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you need to do everything you can do to focus on achieving success in this sport. Yeah. And so we, you know, we tell them one thing, but we treat them a different way. Yeah. And so the earlier that you can start getting, you know, these athletes understanding mm-hmm. um, that they are you know, more, they have talents that are, um, you know, they have dreams of, you know, doing all these other things that have kind of been, you know, they've, they've been sold themselves short, right? That you can only focus on your sport. Well, that's not true. And we're, we're seeing that now because of NIL is very, very high success and achievement on the field mm-hmm. and off the field at the same time, creating companies and foundations and doing all of this type of stuff. So, And a lot of that only can happen in that mentor relationship where the trust is built. Somebody really understands who you are and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Somebody somebody who's been in your shoes, who kind of understands the day-to-day of having to go and you're thinking about things on the field that happened hours ago and you're in class and all of these different little intricacies that are going on, right? Someone who understands what, you, what you're going through, who's passionate about, about this, this area, and then someone who has the knowledge to help you get to the place that's, you know, beyond that helmet that you're wearing, right? And so I'm with you 100%. I think mentorship is something that is is foundational to to helping sort of athletes get to these places and and the people who have been in those been in those shoes and have that experience are one of the some of the most effective effective yeah. ones for us and and it's and it's not just football right I mean yeah. football in the background there you played football and we're at Florida State right everyone thinks football mm-hmm. but it's not just football it's Absolutely. it's all sports all levels even D three junior college I mean. 100%. This same thing happens there where once their competitive athletic career is over, it's like this lost five, 10 years. Yeah. Uh, now they're trying to figure out who they are because mm-hmm. they're not that athlete anymore. 100%. And, and so if we can get them to think through this, right. And that's where I think NIL, and we've said it um, probably enough on here, but that's where NIL is really helping out yeah. um, a lot of these athletes put that plan in place or at least get that thought process started uh, before that, you know, the final game. hundred percent, hundred percent. It's, I mean, it's, it's all littered in, in literature and, you know, people know it if you're in the space, but, you know, identity foreclosure is, is a huge thing. And it's, it's very common with the, with collegiate athletes who make it to the elite level because you kind of have to invest in everything into this one space if you're going to play at this level, right? There's there's always that that threat of the beast, you know that you know Kobe talked about, that everybody talked about is you know that the person who didn't go to sleep, they're still getting a thousand shots while you're sleeping or you're out doing some other stuff, right? And so if there's always that idea of somebody out there trying to take your spot or somebody out there who's going to be able to perform better than you on game day and they're going to go to the league, right? You have to constantly be thinking about how to get better on the field or get better on the court or whatever sport it might be, right? And so it's 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 a tough space to be in to realize, you know, there's other things outside of this. And like we're saying, I mean, we'll, we'll probably beat a dead horse, but it's, it's really important. I mean, I think NIL is really, really sort of ex- exploded these, these ideas and understandings of why it's so much 
it's so important to think outside of sport, right? And how, and this is giving sort of a practical element on how to do that, right? And they're kind of seeing it in real time, building their brand and doing all these things that are, you know, exploring other, other avenues that's going to help them in the long run. So yeah, that's, like I said, I love it. I love it. <laughs> so, so how would you, if you were coming in, you were a freshman, right? Yeah. Um, how would you go about you know, having the understanding of what NIL is, what you can create, you know, the rules that you have to stay within? Mm-hmm. How would you go about um, leveraging the NIL opportunity if you were walking on right now at, at Florida State? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think what I would do, especially starting out, so say I'm, I'm coming in, I want to get connected with a lot of good people, a lot of good leaders in the space. And I want to get maybe a mentor or something like that. Somebody who's, you know, in athletics or somebody who's been through it who can kind of show me the ropes. And so that I'm not doing it alone, right? Because there's so many people who have this knowledge on campus that can help you get to these places much quicker, which is going to have a huge return on investment, right? So the first thing I do, I would probably try and get connected with a lot of good leaders and mentors in this space. And then I would start to do a lot of individual research in terms of just looking at athletes who are successful in building their brands. You know, that could be done on social media, right? Or reading through, you know, somewhere like On3 or whatever it might be that's giving NIL uh, collectives information and all this different information on NIL and sort of the, the sort of innovative things that are happening in this space. And so I'd get informed um, on NIL, of course, and brand building. And so I would try to get with people, watch YouTube videos, you know, talk to you, talk to me, talk to people on campus, get involved with, you know, maybe your marketing program or your uh, sport management program. These people who understand branding and marketing and how to do it in the right way. And so I would try to get them to, I would try to myself start with my values, right? Start with who I am and what I value, what I want to accomplish, what are the goals that I have in life. And so really start working on branding early, like immediately get on, getting on all the sort of the platforms and um, sort of understanding um, how to strategically partner with people. And so collaborations would be huge. Um, and so those would be sort of the first three things was getting involved with or, or connecting with some of the leaders and mentors and then getting informed on the NIL space. And then really diving into research on, on, on building your brand. And then after that, I think, or in between that, wherever you want to do it, of course, getting informed on financial literacy and things like that. And so making sure that once these things do start to unfold, that you have the proper uh, things in place to make sure that you're you're handling your finances correctly. So those would be sort of the four things, getting, getting connected with leaders and mentors, getting informed on NIL doing lots of research on, on, on yourself, understanding yourself and your identity outside of sports and inside of sports and how to build your brand. Um, and then of course, would, the last thing there would be learning about financial literacy. So those four things I think would be key. Absolutely. And I think the one, the first one you started off with really resonates, right? It's cause, cause that's what got you where you are. It's what got Cheney where he is and what's got me where I am, right? Mm-hmm. Is relationships. So invest in those relationships that are going to elevate you, elevate your way of thinking, right? It may not uh, people that you trust, but it may not always be comfortable, right? Because you want someone that's going to help stretch you and um, help you achieve what you can achieve. Like you mentioned, your you know your mentor at Kent State, that's what that's what they saw in you, right? 
you couldn't necessarily see it at the time. You didn't necessarily have, you know, you had the thoughts in your head, but you had to think through them in a way that made sense to you so that you could take action on it. Someone that's going to push you and and be that role. Um, I mean, and, and it's all about relationships. So, yeah, I mean, 100 percent. I agree with all those. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because those things are, are key. Like, I think just thinking about what you can accomplish, if you have somebody who is in that mentor, that leader space, they can get you there so much quicker, right? You're you're not out there in the dark trying to figure things out. You have somebody who you can bounce ideas off of, who has been through the ringer, right? And knows kind of the things that you need to be doing to, to be successful and the things that you want to be successful in. And so that gives you such a, a quick, a quick turnaround in terms of, you know, accomplishing your goals. And so if you can get connected with build those relationships quickly when you get on campus, that's something that's going to be you know key for you in, in terms of building your brand or being successful in life. Yeah, Doc. So Revenue Sports have clearly seized the NIL opportunity, right? The Power Five, they've they've done a pretty good job of, of taking advantage of it. What's your prediction for non-revenue sports and athletes as it relates to NIL? Yeah, so that's a really good question. I think we'll continue we'll continue to see athletes of all sports flourish in this space. And it'll look differently, of course. I mean, you'll see the collectives who are, of course, giving most of the money towards some sort of football and sort of the, the big revenue sports, right? But, I mean, you also have sports like softball who have – they've garnered, I think, more NIL money than baseball, right, since since it's, you know, it's happened. And so I think you'll see these, these sports continue to be successful um, in terms of, of, of building their NIL. But it won't be to the magnitude, of course, of, of revenue sports. Um, but what I do think is that these – it's going to be really advantageous for these non-revenue sports as well still because they're learning about the things that we're talking about, right? And they may have even – you know, more of a, a want to to do it because they don't have the, you know, maybe I'm going to go pro or something like that. Right. And so they might even take more of an advantage of learning some of these skills, building business relationships, right. Taking the time to learn how to partner with different brands. And so they might build these skills in a way that sets them up once they're done to step into a branding role for a corporation afterwards or a marketing role or a, a communications role or whatever it might be. Right. So I think they, it's really going to be advantageous for them, right. Regardless of if they're getting all of the money from the collectives or, you know, all of these major sponsorship deals from raising canes or, you know, Nike or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah. I think the skills that they learn are going to be huge for them. That's going to, you know, pay tenfold for once they're done playing sports. Yeah, you know, I I just had a thought as you were saying that, and this this uh, you're the expert on research projects here, right? So I I clearly am not, but I'm I'm curious. This might be a good one to to dive into uh, throughout the year. I don't know, maybe you pass it off to you know another um, student there that's that's doing this, but the longevity of a brand and being able to monetize that for a football player versus a track or softball is the relationship they're building in their social media um you know with with their followers and all that is mm-hmm. is are they able to a non revenue right non basketball non non football 
are they able to monetize that longer than a football player that maybe doesn't go to the league and and, and all that so their careers both end at the same time is it is it a more valuable to long term to be a non-revenue athlete than you know looking at social media than than a football player that'd be that'd be an interesting one to uh to unpack I would love to dive into in terms of get some some analytical research going there. That's now that would be really interesting to see because when you think about it, like they might have to be more creative in the ways that they build their brand, right? And so they may be more engaging and fostering a bigger uh, sort of connection with their community, right? And so the things that they do outside of their sports once they're done is an easier transition for their audience to continue to sort of stick yeah. with them so they can grow their brand in other avenues and something that they're really interested in that doesn't have to do with, you know, track and field or whatever it might be, right? They still have that audience that they're they're building on. And then they have those skills that got them that audience that now they're continuing to grow. And so I can see that being something that's, a, you know, a realistic thing is they're kind of easier it's an easier path for them to kind of continue to build their brand whereas for you know major sports like football or basketball they may have a huge following but the you know the time that they're spending in it i mean other athletes spend lots of time as well but like a lot of their brand identity is sort of fostered in sort of their athletic performance right and they're getting a lot of you know fans who are fans of them being a football player and things like that and so maybe the 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 time that they have to spend while they're playing collegiate athletics to build their brand in other avenues, which I would, of course, <laughs> advise to 100%. inside of, you know, so of their sport thing and, you know, find the things that they're, they're interested in and, and build their brand, but they don't necessarily have to as much as, you know, the other, the other um, sports. Right. And so once they're done, like you're saying, maybe that is, if they haven't built those other avenues, then, it may be tougher for them to continue in their brand life cycle, right. To extend their brand in different ways um, because they've, they spent so much time and energy focusing on just building that sort of the athlete performance part of the brand instead of the, their marketable lifestyle or, you know, whatever it might be. And so I think it'd be an interesting study for sure. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be a fun one to unpack for sure. Yeah. You got four or five hypotheses right there already. Just <laughs> yeah. two minutes. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, this is this is what I I suppose I like to do. Uh, that's why I'm in the office. <laughs> well, and I think it's you know you talk about football and and their their relevance in that sport world. If they don't build a brand outside of their sport, ends when they stop playing. And yeah, I mean, there's of course they'll try to still be making it to the league possibly, right? And still. Right building it that way but like you're saying it's it could die off quicker very quick yeah 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 if they're not exploring these other things yeah right? they have a, they might have an advantage right here at the start and that's why i would say make sure that you do take advantage of it yes yeah, yeah take advantage of that but if if you're not if you're not building your brain if you're not considering the human behind the brand and considering what your interests are and considering other avenues then once you're done playing sports it's it's going to be hard to continue that, right? So I'm right there with you. I'm definitely right there with you. <clears throat> Dr. White, hey, this was a blast. Uh, we did go three for three uh, with another Grand Slam here. So <laughs> thank you for spending some time with us. Um, I appreciate you. I appreciate the time you gave us today. 
Absolutely. I'm sad I got to go. I can, I can spend hours talking to you all. So we I'll could, go. we could go. Uh, we could, awesome. we could actually, we could do that. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. hey, thanks again. Thank you for joining us on NIL Undressed. As always, every like, subscribe, and share is greatly appreciated.